Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Take out those worship guides, open them up. Inside are some sermon notes for you to follow along as we continue our Life Hack series. And what a Life Hack is, if you weren't here for the first five weeks of this series, um, a Life Hack is simply a clever way to solve a complicated problem. So I've been giving you some some easy life hacks to help you out in your life. And, and from car alarms to bananas to random events, things that are helping you out. I want to know of a show of hands, how many of you guys at least tried one of those things? Come on, throw your hand up. Yeah, very good. Y'all, y'all are my people. I love it. So what I did this week is instead of sharing some life hacks with you, um, I put it out on my social media and I said, listen, I want to know who at Radiant Church has got the best life hack. And I'm telling you, I found it. Hundreds of you guys responded, wrote all these different life hacks, learned a lot. But actually, our St. Petersburg location, there is a dream teamer there by the name of Chad. And Chad won this competition. So the, the, the gift card is in the mail. I told you you get one. And I'm super pumped for you because Chad helped a lot of us with an issue we all have when it comes to um, the dishes that are in the sink. And if you're in a relationship, you know what it's like. You kind of get there and there's always a competition who takes care of those. And, and then if you, if you walk by them and you see them, but you don't acknowledge them or do something about them, you know, it's always like, why didn't you do something about the dishes in the sink? So he says, if you ever got like a sink filled with dirty dishes, there's an easy life hack. And his solution was that we basically go to Kinko's and uh, print off a sheet of paper, and the piece of paper needs to look like an, a clean sink that's empty. <laughs> and then just put it on the top, and you just can say, with all honesty, I thought the sink was empty. Come on. How many know that's a good life, Chad? We love you, Chad. Great one. You're saving a lot of relationships right now. That's a good one. Hey, we've actually conquered some real issues over the last five weeks that I hope you've learned a lot from hacking worry and pain and sadness and relationships And today, I want to take it to the next level. I want to talk to you for a few minutes. You can write it down in your notes about hacking struggle. Because I don't know about you, but I've gone through some seasons in my life where I've struggled. Things that were easy for other people were difficult for me. Maybe some sports were easy for some people, but they're difficult for you. And um, some people can learn a language easy. I, I can't. It's difficult for me. Another one, I remember when I was in 12th grade, I wanted to be a doctor. Which, by the way, every time, if you need something to thank God for, Every day, just thank God that I'm not your doctor. Come on, you, you would not be surviving today. There'd be a lot of dead people in the world if I was their doctor. So I, I wanted to be a doctor. And so to be a doctor, you have to take calculus. To take calculus, you got to take pre-calculus. So I took, I remember taking pre-calculus and everybody in the class like loved it. They're like, oh, this is easy. Oh, it's so simple. And I'm sitting there telling, numbers are for math. Letters are for reading. They don't go together. Come on, anybody else with me today in church? Like, like they just, it doesn't make sense. Whoever did this is a really sick person that they put this stuff together. And I remember it was, it was a struggle for me. I couldn't figure it out. I didn't, I didn't do too well. I, I don't know if I passed or not. But anyway, I'm not a doctor um, because of that class. So I, I remember it was just a struggle for me. Well, my wife, her struggle's not that. Her struggle's technology. Anybody in here just a little technologically, yeah, issues? Yeah, yeah. Hers is... Her, and her problem is, is she always thinks it's the technology's fault. You know what I mean? It's always the phone's fault, the, the computer's fault, the iPad's fault, the, the TV's fault. I told her one day, finally I had to get honest with her. I said, Katie, there's only one common denominator amongst all of those things. 
And it's you, baby. It is. And you're the problem, not the technology. It is user error. That is, it is, that's the problem. It was for her, it was a what? A struggle. It was a struggle. Some of you guys, it's relational. And you go from friend to friend to, to boyfriend to boyfriend, from boo to boo. You know what it's like. And, and you just can't seem to get it right relationally. For you, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Some of you, it's financial. And you just can't seem to catch up. And there's more month than there is money. And, and you, you can't seem to figure out how to pay all these bills. You don't seem to, you get a promotion and that money's just gone. What do you do? It, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And, and so what are you doing? I know we've all been there. What are you doing? You're, you're going to a pawn shop to pawn things at one place, to play for things at another place. Maybe for you, it's a what? It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Some of you, it's marital. You got in this thing for death to its part, and, and you're all excited. You're going, we're going to live happily ever after. It's going to be awesome. I've seen the pictures. It's going to be amazing. And now, a few years into it, it's, you're like, we will be happily ever after I get out of this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to. And, and what is it for you? It's a what? It's a struggle. Some of you, it's emotional, and you can't seem to fix the emotions. It's roller coaster highs and roller coaster lows. And for you, it's a what? That's a struggle. Some of you, it's spiritual. And you used to come into church and you were the first people here and you were serving and you were giving and you were part of this thing. Your whole heart was into it. And then something happened and life happened and got busy and, and now you seem to not even be able to connect with God. For you, it's a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. We all deal with struggles. And by the way, if you see someone in life that is, you think is not struggling, let me just help you out. It's just because you don't know them well enough yet. Like, you just don't know them all you have yet because everybody struggles. I just want you to know, their kids are as disobedient as your kids are. They just don't put it online, by the way. It's, yeah, they didn't wake up with that hair like that. It's not, it just doesn't wake up, and the hair is just like this for the photo that I took this random picture. No, no, you took 65 pictures. You fixed your hair perfectly for that one moment. They got struggles. Their, their marriage has issues just like your marriage has issues. We all have struggles. It's a part of life. Actually, the Apostle Paul who was a great, uh, one of the greatest men of God throughout history, wrote a third of that New Testament, and, and his life was radically changed by Jesus. He went from persecuting Christians to them being a leader in the Christian church, and he was someone that went around the world and traveled around these missionary journeys, really transforming people's lives. If you think anybody should have avoided struggle, it would have been Paul. But the Bible shows us multiple stories of Paul's struggles. And I'm going to show you one of them today that's going to help you hack struggle in your life. And I'm just going to give you a key that I think will help change your life forever. And here's what it's found. It's found in the book of um, Acts chapter 16, verse 22. And it says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Now, let me give you a little background. Paul and Silas are doing this, this journey around. They're telling people about Jesus and they're preaching and they're in this area called Philippi. And there are in this major time of victory and they just preached a major message and, and you would think it's a really high, high, but during the very end of it, the people all get together and they're all angry. So they try to attack Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Now let me help you because as a communicator, I want you to know this is not winning, all right? This is not like the goal of a communication that at the end of it, you get beaten and stripped and it's, it's a bad day in the communication world, all right? And here's what happens to them. It says, and they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into a prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Say carefully, carefully. And when they received these orders, he put them in the inner cell 
and he fastened their feet into the stocks. In other words, he took them down in like the dungeon area. I want you to picture this. It's dark. It's, there's not a lot in there. He's walking down with, with fire just so people can see underneath there. And he puts them with chains against the wall so their hands are chained up. Their feet go in this thing that the stocks there were actually these boards that had holes in them that would, that would open up. You'd put the feet in there and they would latch down and they would tighten them down and they would, they would lock them so there was no escaping. Now, can you imagine the frustration of, of Paul and Silas to go from the highs of ministry, the highs of the public eye, to within a matter of minutes, they're in the bottom of a dungeon in a prison. And if we were honest, you've been in that same spot before. You've been in a spot where things were going great, the relationship was awesome, the job was good, and out of nowhere, it all changed in a moment. It happens to the best of us. And what I love about this story, it wasn't their fault. Listen to me, church. A lot of you are blaming yourself for the fact that you're in the bottom of the prison and you're frustrated and you're going, I must have done something wrong. Let me tell you, it not always is it your fault. Sometimes the relationship ends, the bankruptcy happens, the job, um, you get the pink slip and it's not always your fault. And while I don't believe God causes those things, I do think he can use them in your life. I said, I do think God can use them in your life. Can I get anybody to agree with me today, church? He can use them for your life. What I've learned in my life that when I go through struggles, that the struggle does make you stronger. And I know, I know it's frustrating to be at those seasons, but I want you to know it can make you stronger. It can develop you. If you'll embrace those, tar, those tough seasons, those dark seasons, that struggle will make you stronger. When I was in uh, the, the season between t- uh, 10th grade and 11th grade, my life was radically transformed. I got saved during that time and gave my heart to Jesus. I'm telling you, Everything changed. I've given a lot of stories before about how I was a loser in high school and didn't make any sports teams and, um, you know, couldn't get anybody like me. I, I, was, I was a dork. And, um, and, and all of those were true until, listen to this, until I got saved. It was pretty amazing. Now, I don't recommend this as like the reason for you to give your life to Christ. But if you want a good reason, other than eternity in heaven and a relationship with God, is, is um, I'm telling you, you're more likable as a Christian. You really are. And so I didn't have any friends, anybody. I got saved, and I became like one of the most popular people in my high school. I know. It's, I'm a big deal. It was crazy. But uh, a girl started liking me, and I get all this attention. I'm like, man, where was this at before? And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, if, if, if girls aren't liking you right now, you have two options. You can get rich, or you can get righteous. That's it. That's it. Both of those work. So if you can't work on the rich thing right now, you're in 11th grade, it doesn't work. I just worked on the righteous one and it was awesome. And, I, and so anyway, I got all this attention and actually six weeks before um, I graduated, I mean, I, I finished the 11th grade, six weeks before I was voted in as the senior class president for my senior class. Yeah, I know. Big deal. It's a, it's a big deal. So I'm voted in. I'm all excited. I'm in this like high of my life. I'm leading this Bible study. And I have the same experience that Paul has from the high of life to one of the worst experiences where the principal calls me into his office and he hated me. He was always trying to figure out a reason to, to get me in trouble. He pulled up some dirt from my past because we've all got some dirt in our past that I had done some stupid things before I got saved. And he pulled it up and he, he found a reason to expel me. And I was expelled that week from high school. You might not know that. Yeah, you're uh, not just expelled from high school, expelled from Christian school. And now I'm a pastor. Come on, that's pretty awesome. So and if you need a good reason to realize that God can use you, he, look at me. And, and I remember going from the high of life to that really frustrating, deep depression, despair season. And I was struggling. Going, God, why am I here? And I realized as I look back over my life, 
that the struggle that I went through made me so much stronger than I am because of, of what I went through. I want to talk to you for just a second. It's not, this isn't the hack, but I need you to know this today, that what you're going through, while God didn't cause it, I do think he can use it to make you stronger. To be, I, I don't have enough time to show you, but if I could take some time and show you year after year that the reason I'm on this stage right now is because of me going through that struggle back then. God wants to use it, and you might be struggling right now. If it's like going to the gym, and you barely got that third push-up, guess what? It might have been a struggle, but next week, that third is one is going to be a little bit easier. The next time, it's going to be four and five, and I want you to know you're going through some struggles right now, but I'm telling you, it's going to make you stronger. It's going to set up your stage for what God wants to do in your life. It might have been painful, but it'll lead to your platform. It might have been messy, but I think those are the messy things that God uses to set up your ministry. It might have been a dark season in your life, but I'm come to tell somebody in here today, it'll lead you to your destiny if you realize the struggle struggle makes you a little bit stronger. Come on, give them better praise than that today, church. That's why James tells us that we should consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And here's why, because you know what? The testing of your faith does what? Produces. I want you to know God wants to produce some things in your life. You are not here to just consume. You're here to produce something. There's lives to be changed and ministries to start and businesses to run and, and, and children to impact. You're called to produce something. And the way we get to that place where we produce is we embrace the struggle. So if struggle is a part of our life, here's my question for you today. What are you doing during the midst of your struggle? How do we hack struggle? My uh, daughter, um, we found out when she was about a year and a half old, that she does not hack struggle very well. She is what we would call a biter. So in other words, whenever you try to tickle her or, or kind of you know, wrestle with her or, or take a toy from her, she had no other response other than just to bite whatever's in front of her at that moment. So she started this around like you know, one and a half, two. It was, it was really embarrassing, especially at the church. Because we had dropped the kids off and they're in ministry. And, and we'd hear parents coming out of there going, I cannot believe that. that, that, that this kid, some kid in there bit my child. And I remember pulling some of the leaders aside going, what in the world? Whose kids are causing these problems? You need to take care of them. And they're like, Pastor, it's, it's your daughter. She's the problem. And you're like, oh, I didn't know. You know, whatever. Um, but that prob person probably deserved it. You know, that, like you always have a reason. A couple of weeks ago, my dad was wrestling with all of our little, uh, his grandkids. He's got like 11 of them now. And so all the other kids just like wrestle. Well, Lily's like six and a half now or whatever. And so she, he thought she would wrestle like that. So he goes to wrestle. He's tickling her and he doesn't know what her natural response is. So she doesn't hack struggle with just a normal thing. She goes and she bites. I'm telling you, she took a chunk out of his back, took a whole chunk. And he's like, where did that come from? I was like, I don't know, but I'm telling you, no guy's ever going to mess with her in life. She, listen, I think that's how some of you guys are hacking your struggle. You're just swinging, and you're biting, and you're frustrated. I'm going to give you a better way, and here's what it is. Write it down in your notes. Here's how we hack struggle. Ready? We hack struggle with worship, with worship. And I'm going to take just a few minutes today to show you a key throughout Scripture of how to hack your life when you're in the deepest, darkest seasons of your life. And it's through this thing called worship, because when we sing things happen. You see, when you get in frustrating seasons, you have two options. This is in your notes, but you should write it down. You can sulk or you can sing. 
I'll say it again. You can sulk and be all frustrated and be all, all upset, or you can sing. Disney has showed us this. Okay, Disney has made this popular, but I want you to know Disney did not invent this. This was in the Bible way before Disney was here. For instance, I'm going to show you how singing can change everything, okay? So there's a guy whose father died tragically. His uncle tried to frame him for the murder. This young boy is so upset and, and so confused. He runs for his life. He leaves his family. He leaves his home. He goes to the middle of nowhere. He has no family. He has no community. His dad just died. It's the worst season of his life. And everything changes when he hears... Oh, come on, sing it. It's our problem-free Did you see? Everything just changed right there in the guy's life. From the one song. I'm telling you, you can sulk or you can sing. How about the one guy who could not get the girl's attention? I mean, he wanted so much to get this girl's attention. I mean, he's riding on elephants. He's shooting fireworks off. It's like biblical proportions to get this girl's attention. And she wants nothing to do with him until he says... You see? And what does she do? She melts in his arms. It all changes when you learn the art of singing. I'm telling you, this is what Paul and Silas did. The Bible says it like this. When they're in the midst of their prison, it says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And what were they doing? They were singing hymns to God. You see, singing hymns is a way, it's an act of worship. When we worship, things happen. And I'm going to show you what happens and the reason why you should always hack your struggles with worship. And I'll show you it. Here's the first one. It's simply this, that we, when worship, it shifts our attention from our struggle into a solution. Because so many of you guys, you've got way too focused on the problem. You're, you're staring at that empty bank account. You're, you're going over, you're racking your brain about why that relationship ended. You're tossing and turning at night thinking what you could have done to save that job. And you're so focused on what went wrong and you're so depressed about it and you're anxious about it and you're frustrated about it and really you've got your eye on the wrong thing. Get it off of your struggle. Get it onto your solution. This is what worship does. It gets us focused on something bigger than our problems. Because if your problem is too big for you, it's the perfect size for God. So, so you got to get your, your focus on it. This is what David did in the Bible. He did it like this. He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast? He's talking to himself. He's going through a bad season. Why, why, why am I so disturbed within me? And then look what he does. He's not speaking to other people. Because let me just say this. You, you're really good at giving advice to other people that you should be taking yourself. Come on, how many times do you tell people, trust God? Come on, cheer up. Come on, worship God anyway. No, 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 David's learned the art of, 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 of telling himself what to do. Here's a lot of our problems. A lot of our problems is that we worship when we only feel like it. We come to church when we feel like it. We sing the song when we feel like it. We, we, we do whatever feels like it, and you're led by your feelings instead of led by faith. You see, worship, it's not being led by your feelings. Lord, worship, you're going to tell yourself at times when you're in the pit of despair what to do. And that's what David says. He says, put your hope in God. Guess who he was pointing to? Himself. Put your hope in God. 
for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Some of you guys need to have a good conversation with yourself and say, you know what? I'm not living the way I should. I'm going to put my hope into God. I'm going to praise him despite my situation. I'll tell you, this is what I have to do often as a, as a leader, as a Christian, I have to do this often. I get to seasons of real despair and frustration. We had just had services in this room where there's wall-to-wall people and people standing and sitting in folding chairs and multiple locations. I've been praying for years for God to give us a South Tampa facility. I'm telling you, it, it gets frustrating. I drive around and see these places, and I'm like, God, where are you at? And I could get so frustrated. And so I've learned in those seasons that I'm so frustrated, I can focus on my struggle. Or I can focus on my solution. And I've had to learn how to just focus on the solution. This is what worship does. Listen, worship is the great shifter. It shifts our focus onto the one that can do it. Because I want you to know, he's still a God that can save. He's still a God that can deliver. He's not a God that's distant from you. You get your focus on him. He can deal with your problem. I'm telling you, it's not too big for him. You can deal with it. So I'll I'll be in my car. I'll be all frustrated. I'm going to just get really practical with y'all for a second. I get really frustrated and things going on in marriage or with kids or with finances. And it's so easy. The world is so easy at grabbing our attention. So I've had to just be really intentional about bringing it back to God. So I'm going to have David, Pastor David and Zubin help me out here. Because um, while my worship is beautiful to God, (laughs) it might not be too beautiful to you guys. But I'm going to still um, hang out. Because what I'll do is, this is my honest ritual, my honest tradition, what I do. I'll be in a really hard season and I'll feel like, God, where are you at? And then I'll go back to some kind of old school stuff. So we're going to go a little old school. Y'all okay with that a little bit today? I'll go to like some old school where I'll go like, give me a note that I can. I guess that's good. Great is thy faithfulness. Do y'all know this song? Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. Morning by morning. New mercies I see. See, I I feel like it. Nothing's working out. And then I say, See what just happened right there? I was, you can get so focused on what you need until you just put it right back on the solution. No, he's faithful, church. He, he will provide for you. I've, I've felt disconnected many times from God. I feel... I feel lonely sometimes in my walk. I'm, I'm just a human. And then I'll, I'll sing out songs like this, like, draw me close to you. Y'all know this song? Uh, y- y'all might not grew up on this. I grew up on this. Never let me Help me out, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's better when you sing it, but it's good. I lay it all down again. I'll just have that moment with you and God. Shift it off of your struggle onto your solution. This could be a moment where everything changes for you right here. And you are my desire. No one else will do. I'm telling you, this is better than Disney right here. And no one else will do. Because oh, no one else could take your place. To feel, to feel the warmth of your Help me find, help me find a way to bring me back to you. I 
telling you, it's in moments like this, everything starts to shift. Come on, tell them right here, even in your seats, just say, you're all I want. You're all I want. Come on, make it a worship moment with you and God. Sometimes I'll even go a little bit more old school. Let's do this one. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us Come on, stand with me. Let's sing it out together. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down as the seas will roar at the sound. Look up at me, just for a second, you're gonna be seated in just a second. I promise you what you just didn't think about over the last two minutes. You didn't think about your problem. You got it onto a solution bigger than your problem. Now give them a little bit of praise today, amen? All right, you can be seated. Thank you, worship team, y'all are so great. So here's what happens, they get distracted, they, they focus their attention on Jesus, and then suddenly, the Bible says, suddenly there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prisons were shaken. You read some commentaries, and they're like, well, technically, the area of Philippi has lots of earthquakes. And I'm like, no. I'm telling you, I think this teaches us something that happens when you worship. Because number one, worship, it, it, it shifts your focus. But it not only shifts your focus, it shifts God's power. All right? Now, catch this, because this is huge. Because worship actually invites God into your problem. So when you're worshiping, I think so many times we think worship is all about distracting us but it's more about directing God into the situation you need him to direct, go into. So, so, so listen, worship's bigger than you just not focusing on your problem. It's more about inviting God into your problem. And, and I'm telling you, he wants to get into your problem. The Bible says that we should, we, we worship, and when we worship, God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 22 says it that way. It inhabits. In other words, when we worship, it creates an environment for God to step into. And I'm telling you, I know he's moving throughout Tampa Bay, and he's looking around this earth, and he's going, where can I go now? Who wants me? Who wants the power? Who wants the breakthrough? Who wants the favor? And I don't want him to look any further than Aaron Burke and say, I'm going to be a worshiper that'll say, you can come into my life. You come into my church. You don't have to go anywhere else. You come into my place, because we're going to provide a place where we worship and invite God into the place. It's just something happens when God comes into it. The Bible says it like this, that we come near to God, and here's the response. God comes near to us. Well, even when you don't feel like it, you just draw near to him. You, you lean into him. In worship, you'll watch what happens because God will get involved. Now, here's the good news, okay? So worship shifts our focus onto our solution, off of our struggle. Second thing is God, it gets God involved. But here's what happens when God gets involved. So the place said that the earthquake was going on, and it says that once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains were set loose. How many people's chains were set loose? Everyone. Oh, that's good news for you today. It says, and the jailer woke up 
And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought, I only had one job. (laughs) Come on, that's funny right there. (laughs) He thought, no, the prisoners had escaped. And look what happens. It says, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and asked him, sirs, what do I need to do to get saved? He just saw them get set free. He goes, man, what do I need to do to get set free? Because while this man didn't have physical chains, he had spiritual ones that he knew these people had the power to see broken off their life. Here's what happens when God gets involved is we learn that worship changes things. So there's actually things that God wants to transform in your life that only happen through, through worship. You see, a lot of you guys are fixers and you're, you're, you're the one that's, that's trying to make things happen. And I'm going to encourage you, stop trying to make things happen and start worshiping and let God make things happen for your life. You see, you're not created to be a fixer. You're created to be a worshiper. Listen, you give him the worship he deserves. He'll fix the things that are wrong in your life. I'm telling you, you're called to worship, church. So with Bible says, listen, things change. So let me show you what changed in that story. What changes when we worship? Two things and we're going to be done. First one is this, that we change. When you worship, every time you gather, every time you turn on that music, every time you give, every time you serve, whatever that act of worship is, we change. And I don't know about you, we need to change. We need to get a little bit more righteous and a little bit more like Jesus. And, and I'm telling you, something happens when we worship. And we st- here's, here's exactly what happens when we worship. Ready? Write it down. You, we become like that which we worship. So that's why you got to be very careful of who you're worshiping. Because I think a lot of you guys are becoming a lot like your friends or like those celebrities you follow online and you don't realize that you're becoming like that thing that you worship and you should become like Jesus and the best way to become like Jesus is not to try harder, but it's just to worship a little bit more. Because when you worship, I'm telling you, the natural response is we become like him, we'll be transformed. I'm telling you, things will get shaken up. The prison of your life gets shaken up when Jesus gets involved and you start worshiping. You'll start talking to your spouse better. You'll start seeing those addictions fall off. You won't even want that pornography anymore. You know why? Because we change when we worship. It can happen in your life today. Come on, give them better praise than that today. The second one is this, is that others change when we worship. Isn't that interesting that not just Paul and Silas's chains fell off? Get this. Everybody's chains fell off. That is shocking to me. Let, let me just say it this way. All right. All right. All right. Who were the godly people in the prison? This is going to mess with some of your theology, right? Paul and Silas, were, you're, you're telling me they're in a prison surrounded by criminals, murderers, thieves. I mean, think of the worst thing possible. There's probably people sitting in those prisons and they don't deserve and a, a little bit of freedom. But I'll tell you what changed is when two people who were real about worship said, you know what, in the midst of our struggle, we could sulk and we could go, oh man, we all have problems. I got problems, you got problems. But in the midst of their struggle, they turned their attention to Jesus and guess whose life was changed? The world around them was changed because of their worship. I really believe that there are some people in our city 
And I'm telling you, what your family needs, what your neighbor needs, is not you to preach a better message to them, but it's you to worship around them. Because something happens when God's people worship, lives start getting transformed around them. And I'll tell you, our city needs it. I'll tell you, the, the solution to sex trafficking in our city is a worshiping church. The solution to the broken in our city and the poor in our city and the depressed in our city is that there's some people at Radiant Church who are not going to be living by their feelings, but are living by faith, and we're going to be worshipers, and when we worship, their chains are falling off. They're going to get breakthrough. They're going to get victory. I'm telling you, it happens when God's people worship. Give them better praise than that today, church. we got to be worshiping people. Just close your eyes all over this place. Some of you walked in here with major struggle, and I want you to know today, you can hack that struggle by worship. He deserves it. Come on, let's take 15 seconds right where you're sitting. Just give him some worship. Just say, God, I love you. God, I honor you. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Before I ask you for anything, I just worship you for who you are, for what is possible because of you. Lord, I thank you that you called me and you chose me and you didn't give up on me. God, I worship you, God. Come on, just give him that. In the midst of your struggle, cast that anxiety and that care and that frustration on him. There's other people in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and I want you to know you can right now. If you're in here today, I want you to know the first step in a starting a relationship with God is you worshiping by saying, God, I give you my life. The Bible actually says this is our true and proper worship is when we offer our lives. You see, God cares way less about your singing than he does about your heart. You're in here today and you don't have a relationship with God. I want you to know you can he loves you so much. And all he asks is that you give him your life. And it's a, it's a step of worship. And actually, you do it by faith. And we're going to have you do it in just a second. On the count of three, I'm going to have you just throw your hand up and say, Aaron, I'm, I'm not following Christ, but I want to. I want to start that relationship with him. And actually, you raising that hand is an act of worship, saying, I'm giving God my life. I'll tell you, you draw close to him. You come to him, he'll come to you. And watch what he does in your life. That's you all over this place on the count of three. You say, Aaron, today's my day to offer my life to God, to give him my heart. I'm going to give him my sin. I've got a bad history, a bad past, but I want Jesus to forgive me and wash me whole. He wants to. He will do it if you just do your part. Right now on the count of three, if that's you, you're going to throw that hand up, put it right back down. Ready? One, two, three. All over this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Probably a dozen or so people right in this room. People watching online at other locations. Just pray this prayer. Say, God, I give you my life. I give you my sin today is my day of salvation today I give you all my past my present and my future Jesus come into my life transform me and I'm gonna follow you telling this for the rest of my life in Jesus name we pray and everybody that believes it says amen come on can we celebrate with a dozen or so people right in this room come on best decision of their life right now Here's what I want you to do. If you're in here and you just made that decision, I want you to take that connection card. Check on there. Man, I committed my life to Christ. We want you to know we're proud of you. We're for you. We're excited for you. We want to send you some resources to help you along with this journey. One more time, Radiant. Can we honor those that just made the best decision of their life to give their life to Christ? We're going to end the service with an act of worship. So we're going to sing, but there's other forms of worship, and one of them is giving. Actually, all throughout the Bible, giving has been called an act of worship. Why? Because it's not just something we do with our mouth. 
It's something we're doing with our heart. So we're actually giving God our finances and an act of worship. So we worship every time we give to God. I'm telling you, it changes things. Do you remember the three points? Here's what happens when you worship with God with your finances. It takes your focus off of your struggles financially, puts it onto a solution. Okay, God, I'm giving it to you. You know what it does? It involves God in your finances. Now your finances are blessed. And the third thing is it changes things in your finances. You're gonna watch how your finances get changed when you start to give God your first. Maybe you've never tithed. What a great opportunity to start today. Let me pray for you. Lord, bless this church and their giving here in the service, online, through text giving. I pray you bless their life, bless their finances, use them in incredible ways. And we thank you for what you're gonna do as we worship you with our giving. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.